Welcome to the Powers on Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Powers, and we're going to have a very lively show tonight. We've got a special guest, one Michael Banks. Michael's gonna Michael's our SEC insider. He's a Birmingham, Alabama uh, native, big roll Alabama roll tide roll fan. We're gonna get Michael's perspective on the NFL, the college football playoffs. We're gonna talk a little Major League Baseball awards show, uh, awards for the year, MVP, Cy Young. Uh, again, Michael's a uh, very knowledgeable uh, college football resource, and also in the NFL, we're going to talk, maybe we can talk a little fantasy football as well during the episode. So we're going to have a good show tonight. We're going to, again, we're going to talk college football. Uh, the, the new playoff rankings came out this week. We're going to talk about Alabama LSU. We're going to talk about can anybody beat Alabama. Uh, some of the playoff scenarios we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about some coaches on the hot seat. We're going to make some game picks and stuff like that. So welcome to the show, Michael. How's everything going? It's going great. Thanks for having me, Jason. Uh, took long enough, but we uh, we got it figured out. We're ready to go now. Yeah, technology. Technology is <laughs> beautiful. <isn't> it? <laughs> it, it really works well when you just read. If you just read. <laughs> Lots yeah. of free articles out there on the old thing they call the Internet. Thanks, yeah. Al Gore. Yeah. <laughs> Read an article or two. You might get. You might not spend an hour and twenty minutes trying to figure out what the heck's going on. <laughs> especially when you already. Saw but hey, it. That's especially when you already saw it like four days ago. <laughs> that's right. Well, all right, Michael. So what'd you what what'd you think about uh, first things first? What'd you think about the uh, Alabama LSU battle of the 2018 century? <laughs> well, obviously, like you said, I'm an Alabama fan. I can I can have. Uh, be a, be a little uh, objective, and I will say, though, it was a beatdown of epic proportions. LSU's offense, just um, they're just not very good. That's all there is to it. And Alabama's defense came to play, as they usually do. Um, you know, LSU hasn't scored a touchdown on Alabama since the first quarter of the 2014 game in Baton wow. And that's 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 uh, you know go, 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 going into the game. I, I think the big the big question is was. Everybody was questioning Alabama's schedule and had they really played anybody and all that stuff. You know, Louisville at the beginning of the year was turned out to be a dud because they're te- they're 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 terrible. They really haven't been challenged other than the Louisville game. I mean, as far as you know, even with a name name recognition kind of game. So Texas A and M, I guess. But you know, I think the uh, you know this was the first big challenge for for, for the Alabama defense. Well, and not only that, the first big challenge for the offense, for that matter. Um, right. You know, A&M, Louisville, those guys, didn't, they don't have any defense. And, and the guys that they played so far, and LSU is a legit D. And, you know, the offense obviously did not score the 50 or, you know, points like they've been scoring in the past in the, or early in the season. But you put up four touchdowns on, on a really good defense in a game that was more of a slugfest because of, it, of the physicality. And it's still that's still a good day at the office. So. Uh, but the LSU offense, I think, I think that was what was really um, not not talked about was the uh, was the LSU offense against the Alabama defense. Everybody just kind of assumed LSU defense, Alabama offense, what's going to happen? But you overlook the uh, the elephant in the room, no pun intended, and that's that's the Alabama defense that's led by by you know the greatest coach, especially defensively, that 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 uh, that's walking the sidelines today. Well, I think, I think the big, I think the biggest part of the game to me, uh, you know, with the Alabama defense and the LSU offense, was the was the, the line play. I mean, oh. the offensive line for LSU was just pitiful, especially in especially in pass protection. I mean, I'm not, Joe Burrow's not a fantastic quarterback, but if you give the guy a little bit of time, he can make the adequate throw. He can make the simple throws. And I think I think if the offensive line would have played better, I think he, that he would have made he would have been able to make some plays down the field because LSU's got players, but. The Alabama defensive line just destroyed the, Al- the LSU offensive line. Especially Quentin Williams. I mean, that guy has come out of nowhere, really. Redshirt sophomore. And he, I mean, he absolutely wrecked. He was wrecked a game wrecker. There's no doubt about it. It, it was unbelievable. I, you know, it reminded me of Deron Payne against Clemson in the uh, playoff game last year. It just, he absolutely, I mean, three and a half tackles for uh, three and a half tackles. Two and a half sacks. I mean, and every play. If he wasn't in the stat sheet, he was affecting the play. Um, and he and he had double teams on him, and he was still 
just, I mean, he, I, I Burrow saw 92 in his face all game long. And that was, that was just, like you said, Burroughs can do it, but you got to give the guy two seconds to throw the football. And he didn't have, and that. I was, and I was also surprised. I was also surprised. Not that I expected, you know, a wild, you know, just let it loose kind of offensive play calling, but the play calling was very vanilla. Oh yeah. I was expecting LSU to at least come out with some, you know, a couple wrinkles formation wise or, or, you know, that kind of stuff. And I was just, Really disappointed how vanilla it seems like LSU played in on offense, and I understand that you know the big theme of the game was they were trying to get to halftime because of the suspension of the middle linebacker on defense, so they were going to probably play pretty conservative in the first half, and and you know till about four minutes left in the half it was nine to nothing. They you know Alabama pin you know two or through an interception down to the inside the five yard line, and then you had some horrific play calling by LSU. <laughs> which caused a, a sack on the one-yard line, which caused him to have to punt. And obviously Alabama scored that touchdown before the half to make it 16. When And you yeah. felt like everybody, I, you know, everybody, I, I was watching the game, feeling like if, if LSU could stay within 10 points, they'd be okay. But once that, that margin got to over two scores, it was going to be big problems in the second half. Yeah, and everybody questioned, you know, I, I heard I heard uh, uh, Ryan Rosillo and Scott Van Pelt, those guys saying, you know, what, what, what's Alabama going to do when, you know, Tua throws his first interception or he has to play in the fourth quarter. Well, I mean, first of all, he's already proven that. He did that in the national championship game. He threw a, he's throwing, he threw an interception on his first drive. He played in the fourth quarter overtime there. But he's a guy that, that will bounce back. You just got to give him another chance. And when he threw that interception, he had a feeling if he got the ball back, he was going to, he was going to, it was going to be a different result. And like you said, the poor play calling there led to the punt, you know, around the 50 yard line is where Alabama got it. He didn't need but a you know a minute or two throw finds Irv Smith in the end zone and and that was really lights out. Even with Devin White coming back, 16 nothing. Right. Know, there's just no way LSU scoring scoring 17 points on that Bama defense, and especially not to mention giving the the ball back to Alabama a few more times. Right. It just wasn't gonna happen. All right. So as we move, you know, you know, and, and I know Danielson Danielson was very critical of the play calling by LSU. And I think he was right. I think and he made a great point. He goes, whoever's gonna beat Alabama. Alabama's going to score one touchdown a quarter on average, so it means you got to score tw- you got to score twenty eight to win- to at least be in the game, yep. and there aren't many teams that can do that. And so, what do you you know moving forward? What do you think kind of is the weakness of the Alabama team, and where do you see kind of them ha- showing a little vulnerability? <laughs> well, I mean, you and I have talked about it before. The kicking game obviously is vulnerability, but if you get in a shootout with them, um, you better be able to match them point for point to make the kicking game come into play because right. you, you, you know, you're down. If you're down two scores, the kicking game is not coming into play. Right. Um, extra points aren't going to matter. Field goals are not going to matter. You have to be able to say, Hey, it's a uh, 31 28 here. We're, you know, we're right there in it, or we're even up 31 28, something of that nature. I think, uh, I think right now I, it's hard to find a weakness with this team. And like, once again, I'm not being biased, but just, I mean, they're just so good, but, Defensively, I think if you can get to the into the secondary, uh, yeah, I agree. Challenge challenge the corners. You know they were not challenged hardly at all, and uh, you, you got you got the teams like the Clemson's and the and Georgia especially. I think Georgia is going to really really give them a problem because they had the, the the plethora of receivers. They had the running backs. Yeah, uh, they, they got a good they got a good tight end that they're willing to throw the ball yes. to the tight end. Yeah, and so. You get those guys spread out some, and 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 if you but now once again you're going to have to be able to block that 92 and everybody else on that defensive line because it can yeah. still wreak havoc. And if you can do that, if you can block and you can get these guys spread out and you can have give your quarterback time to throw, the the biggest weakness and it's not a it's not a I mean I think a huge. lot of teams in the country would would love to have those corners, but but that they're is young. The, they're young yeah, they're young and they're inexperienced. And they haven't been in a big game. So, um, you know, you get in the SEC championship, the playoff, that's really where you're going to be able to have to exploit it. You're not going to – there's nothing you're going to be able to do on offense unless guys are hurt as far as stopping the Alabama offense. It, it, that's – Well, here's without, one thing I do want – here's one thing on the offense I do want to talk about. Two things. One, I think whether it's the semifinal game, the Georgia game, or the, they're going to have to make a field goal or a punt or something in the special teams kicking-wise in a pressure moment that they're going to have to execute, you know, the, 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 the days of, you know, the extra points being missed and it's not a big deal. 
eventually they're going to have to make a kick, whether it's a 35-yard field goal, whether it's a punt out of their end zone, something. They're going to, the, the punter and the kicker are going to have to deliver, and that's the thing that makes me most nervous about them is week after week after week, whether it's the holder, whether it's the kicker, whether it's whatever, they just keep missing kicks and they keep missing things that they shouldn't be missing for a team that's that good. And it, it just, it just, I'm just super shocked that they've not been able to get that fixed. Yeah. And you know, uh, you and I have talked about it before, about uh, just in the NFL, you, you know, if you put the NFL counterpart to Saban, it's obviously Belichick. That's what everybody, you know, obviously their, their history, but just being the best at the, their respective positions. But Belichick emphasizes special teams so much. And you got Guskowski who took over from Vinatieri and, and the punter for New England is always good. And and you don't ever see this with New England. And so it's so it, it is, it's something that has plagued Alabama for a long time. Uh, now next year they got a guy coming in from Hoover that is that is the real deal. As long as he allegedly <laughs> allegedly as long as he stays with that commitment and hopefully they can get that corrected then. But of course that you know they've said that in the past too. Um, but yeah, that is definitely something I, I don't, I don't know. I wish, you know, it is something as an Alabama fan, we, we cringe every time our kicker comes, comes out national championship game in, uh, at the end of the game last year. I mean, I said, yep, oh, yep. we're going overtime. There's no way he makes this kick. I don't care how short it is. And I, you know, I knew we were yep, going yep. overtime. So, uh, and, and, and here's the other thing about the offense that makes me a little bit nervous is, is I, and I, and I didn't realize this till obviously they, sh- they showed him in the pregame. I didn't realize Jalen Hurts' foot was in bad shape. As it is, and apparently he, you know, he obviously wasn't available to play Saturday at LSU, and uh, an injury like that I can't imagine is not a one-week healing injury. So hopefully, you know. And the other thing with Tua is, it just seems like every week he does something. He tweaks his he tweaks his hand, a knee, something. He always seems to fall awkwardly at least one time a game where he's limping, his knees a little. That makes me nervous a little bit with 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 Tua, and I don't know if he's just. He doesn't seem like he's in fantastic condition. Maybe it's just me, but he doesn't seem like he's, you know, I won't say pudgy's not the right word, but it just seems like he's he's a little bit soft when it comes to the to the to the always got a little nick here, nick there type deal, especially with his knees. You know, he's got, he's got that big knee brace he wears, so that makes me nervous. And with two with Jalen Hurts, you know, pretty much immobile and not being able to go in the game, I think that's a, that's an issue that. You know, if you had to if you had to put in a, a, a Mac Brown for two or three series, it'd make you very nervous. Yeah, and you know, as far as Jalen goes, Jones, I'm sorry, Jones, I believe his name. Yeah, Mac Jones. You know, as far as Jalen goes, he had the surgery right after the Tennessee game. They did that to Cam Robinson back in 2014. The guy turned around and played the LSU game as an offensive tackle, which obviously well, what, you know, what is what is the injury? It's a it's an ankle. It's an ankle. Okay. I, I, you know exactly what it is. I'm not sure, but they did some kind of procedure. It's a minor procedure. They did the exact same thing on Cam Robinson in 2014 on the ankle, and Cam Robinson came back and played. Now you know at offensive tackle in the LSU game, as much pressure as you're putting on your uh, as an offensive tackle puts on, you would think that right. Jalen would have been okay. But everybody heals differently. Sure. I think, I think the I think the key thing with Jalen is is going to be rest. And if you really look at it. The next three games, you should not need Jalen. I mean, you don't don't need him for the Citadel. You don't. You should not need him for Mississippi State, and you should not need him for Auburn. Granted, Tua is healthy, and so I think that's that's five weeks that he would have to get healthy. And I think by the time that comes along, he'll be okay. As far as Tua goes, you're right. It does seem the very first drive of the of the Louisville game at the beginning of the year, he went down. Worried everybody. I think that that knee. Is just one of those things that's going to nag him, kind of like what Rogers, Aaron Rodgers went through at the beginning of this season, where it was just, it's just going to nag him all year, and he's going to have to play through it. Now, obviously, I'm not trying to say he's Aaron Rodgers, but if uh, if you can if you can give him the time in the pocket, which the offensive line for Alabama is very very good, then he you know he might have to make a play or two. But it does make me nervous too. I agree with that. Right. All right, so let's move on to the rankings. The, the the second set of rankings came out this week, and I guess the one change, obviously LSU's out of the top four. They got they're done. Um, you got so you got Bama one, Clemson two, Notre Dame three, and then you got number four. You got the Wolverines of Michigan. Yeah. What are your What are your thoughts on the on Harbaugh and the Wolverines? I tell you what, I, I was talking to a buddy of mine at work, and I told him I said the one team that scares me the most 
out of all of them is not Clemson. It's not Georgia. It's Michigan. Their defense is legit. It is, it is solid, top to bottom. Corners, defensive line, linebackers, and the scheme that Don Brown has, they, can, they could do something that like LSU did and really keep Alabama to a low-scoring game. And then on the offensive side, you have the old foe, Shea Patterson, who's beaten Alabama before when he was at Ole Miss. If he's in the right system, he has the ability and the talent to do it. I think Michigan is is a dangerous four seed if they if they end up that way. Now, granted, you got to think that by the end of this rankings, if Michigan wins out, they beat Ohio State, they win the Big Ten championship, they're going to slot ahead probably of Notre Dame, even if Notre Dame's undefeated. I don't agree. I don't agree with that. No, I think no. if Notre Dame wins, I think if Notre Dame wins them all, they're in no matter what happens. No, no, no. I don't. I don't say Notre Dame's out. I say Michigan would move to the three. Notre Dame oh. to the four. No, no, no. Notre Dame, I think, wins out. No, they're in for sure. No, no question right. about that. But I think Michigan would even losing to Notre Dame. I think they would slide ahead of them because of the conference championship and what we've seen. That can kind of have you know that extra game could help them out. Uh, Michigan, that is. I think Michigan. I think Michigan's going to want no part of Alabama in a, no. in a game, only because I don't think that Michigan's going to be able to move the ball. Their passing attack has been below average at best all year, and the running game's good, but it's not great. And uh, I think if 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 you give Saban, you know, three oh, weeks to get ready, oh, yeah. I, especially with a with a with a with a passing game as limited as they seem to be at Michigan. I think that would be a brutal matchup for Michigan. And I think Michigan has a good defense, but like 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 you said, if you can't score 20, score. 24 to 27, 28 points, it's going to be hard. And Michigan struggles to score that many points again in the Big Ten, you know, much yeah. less against an SEC level defense. That's true. And 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 you know, like I said, these are these are just hypotheticals. But I I, I think that I don't I, I I agree. I don't think my my dad is a big Michigan fan. He, he's from a, he's from uh, Detroit. And uh, he texted me and he said, Michigan, Alabama in the playoffs. And I said, yeah, it's looking that way. And he said, be careful what you wish for. Uh, he said, I don't I don't I don't wish to play them at all. Uh, and, I, but, and I'm not even and I'll be honest with you. I'm not even sure Michigan gets through Ohio State in, in Columbus. You know, I know Ohio State's struggling and they've been up and down. And but, but really, you know what? Everybody says they're struggling. They only lost one game. I don't exactly, know. Why, exactly. I don't know where everybody thinks that they're struggling. They struggled. One game, but well, their their deep their defense has been pretty poor the last five six it weeks. It has been, and, they, and they've and they've not they've not beaten some teams who they you know they thought they should beat by you know huge margins. There's been a couple games when they've won by you know 10, four, 10 to fourteen points against the Indianas of the world right, and the, right. against those guys that you just. But I'm with you. I, I don't think it's a it's it's a layup that Michigan goes into Columbus by any means and beats them the no. Thanksgiving weekend. Well, and, and and just like you say, you saw when you lived here with Alabama Auburn, it doesn't matter what the records are, you get a exactly. rival game like that, and and it all that stuff gets thrown out the, the door. It just it, it, they're not cakewalks. You don't just walk into to uh, Ohio Stadium and just take a win because you're playing better. It doesn't work that way. No, you're right. You're you're completely right. But I, I if they were to get past them, then I, I definitely think that they, you know, obviously the Big Ten championship game, whoever. Whoever wins that game, Michigan or Ohio State, has a pretty has, much cake, cake wall. Has a, has, a, has a very good claim to be in the playoffs. So, <laughs> all right, so I'm, I'm going to throw you the – obviously the West got decided with Alabama beating LSU in the East. You had Georgia with an emphatic win in Lexington. Our buddy, Mr. Peavy, I'm sure, has not had a great week with his uh, Saturday in Lexington. And then last night, his other, his other big blue nation got destroyed by uh, Mr. Zion Williamson and, and the boys from, from uh, Durham. Oof, that that I, I think that uh, Kentucky fans are you know, between that and Christian, you know what, Leitner. <laughs> wow. wow. I mean, I, uh, I, I've never I've never seen Kentucky get destroyed like that, like they did last night. I mean, it, Duke could have literally could have scored 130 points. I mean, they scored 118 and could have scored 130 had they not pulled off the the dogs in the last five minutes of that game. Yeah, that was a that was that was impressive. I, I tell you, Duke. Man. Man, I mean, no, it's just game one, and you know we overreact. But to beat Kentucky, who had the number one recruiting class, three returning starters, that right. that's, that was impressive. But yeah, uh, yeah, it has not been a good week up for Big Blue Nation uh, since Saturday, for sure. Mr. Peavy, we we love you, Mr. Peavy, the Titusville Titans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been a rough season. It's been a rough season. He's lost two already. I know, right? 
All right, so I'm going to give you the I'm going to give you the kind of the 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 one the scenario where everything I think everybody in the country would love to see it to see how the committee would react. What if you got Bama undefeated in the SEC title game versus Georgia, one loss Georgia? You have Michigan, one loss Michigan, undefeated Notre Dame, undefeated Clemson. What if Alabama loses to Georgia in the SEC championship game? While Michigan runs the table, wins the Big Ten, Notre Dame's undefeated, and Clemson's undefeated. Who gets left out? Does Alabama make it, or do they leave out a, a, a Michigan? And um, if if they go, that is going to be that is going to be some drama. I mean, I I don't want out. I mean, I'd, I'd love to see the drama just to see what the committee would do because that is it. That's going to be a just unbelievable scenario. If Alabama loses that game to Georgia because Georgia would then for sure be in. Georgia's in for sure. Clemson's in for sure. Notre Dame's in for sure. There's right. three. So it's going to come down Clemson, to Alabama, Alabama, Michigan, just like last year with Alabama and the Big Ten champion Ohio State. And look what happened. Yep. Now, and, and everybody I mean, says, you know, well, they didn't win their own conference. They didn't win their own division, but they did win the national championship. They proved that they they belonged once they got Damn. in. But yeah, that's a. Uh, you know, if they now granted, you know, flip that back two years when Ohio State did not win and they got in over the Big 12 champion TCU that year. You know, I, I think that if they go based upon, you know, what they've been saying and it comes down that Alabama's schedule was that much stronger than Michigan's. And but I don't but I don't know if you could say I mean, I don't know if this year you can say that because Alabama's had a. Go, I mean, you hate to say it, other than LSU, well, and, up to this Georgia point. at the end, they would up have had a garbage sk- – I mean, really, unless Auburn plays them really – I mean, you know, Auburn's been a disappointment. Louisville's been a disappointment. You know, well, you have Mississippi State and Auburn, which right now are ranked six, uh, 16 and 24, respectively. So, I think that you Auburn, could – Auburn has no business being in the top three. I, I agree, but if the committee ranks them, that's what they're going by. So, I just think right. that – I get it. You know, and if you look at Michigan, yeah, they have Michigan State, who's number 18 at Penn State, the win over them, number 20. Wisconsin, you'd have Ohio State, you'd have a second game, you'd have a Big Ten championship, whoever they'd play on that other side of the bracket there. Could be. And you have have a Notre Dame, and, you know, they lost a tight game to Notre Dame at the beginning. At at Notre Dame's place. Right. Yeah, I, you know. I would give, I mean, I hate to say it on strength of schedule, I would give Michigan the edge there. Yeah, totality of the season. I think it would matter too. I think you had, you know, they they say they use the eyeball test. How does Alabama lose that game? Do they lose that game on an overtime kick? Do they lose that game because Kirby comes and does something that's never been done before and and beats right, his, right. his 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 mentor and and they beat him by fifteen points? You know, Saban's right, right. never lost a game by more than fourteen at Alabama. You do that, uh, yeah, you don't deserve to be in. You lose right. by a kick at the end against a team that's ranked number five at the time, uh, it, it's hard It's hard to say, oh, you just don't the whole throw the whole season out. That's hard. I agree. That's hard I agree. To it would be tough to, to, to keep out a one-loss Alabama as good. I mean, just by the eye test, as good as they are athletically and scheme-wise, you, you have the best quarterback in the country. Again, like you said, unless they get beat by double, you know, two two touchdowns plus against Georgia, Which is I not think if that game's at all close, <laughs> as long as that game's 10 points or less, I think, and it's a decent game, I think it, I think they'd have a tough time keeping Alabama out. I agree. I agree. And just, but it would, like you said, it'd be, it would cause some drama. Now, uh, most of the country wants to see that drama. Uh, us here, we do not <laughs> want to see that drama. We want to just cruise right in as number one, and, and let's see who our number four opponents. Now, let me ask you something: Were the streets of Hoover, were the streets of Hoover empty on, on in Birmingham, empty on Saturday night about seven o'clock when Danielson and Nestler came on the air? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We. Uh, I know I was working a, a football game over at Sanford, and and uh, I was coming home about six o'clock, about an hour before game time, and and you could see people going into the stores. I saw I, I passed by the, the gas station that's on the corner up by where you used to live, and uh, people walking out with beer and and snacks, and it was like you know let's get hunkered down because you know it's it's all about to start now. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of to go orders at Dreamland and Jim and Nick's and yes, and, Buffalo uh, Wild Wings and all yeah. those places, huh? Oh yeah, yeah, a lot of. All a lot right. of Pizza drivers were in full effect on the roads. Yes, lots of Uber drivers late in the evening, too. <laughs> All right, let's talk real quick, uh, wrap up some college. Let's talk about some coaches on the hot seat, maybe in trouble. I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you five schools where I think some coaches could be in some hot water, depending on how the season ends. And you give me kind of 
your assessment of, of in trouble, safe, no chance of being fired. All right, so we're going to go Auburn. We're going to go Ohio State. We're going to go Florida State. We're going to go USC, Southern, which is Southern Cal. We're going to go Louisville. Give me, the, give me the program you think the, guy, the coach is probably in the most trouble. Louisville, no question. Bobby Petrino, he's got a, a – I think Scott Van Pelt, I don't know if you watched it the other night after the Monday night game, but he said it best, like, what has happened? Like, this team two years ago was a favorite at Clemson. Two years ago, they were they were favored in a game at Clemson. Two years ago, they lost by a yard. Remember, they got stopped on the yes. one-yard line on the last yeah. play of the game. Last play of the game, they got beat 77-16. to 16. And Petrino, he's got, uh, you know, Van Pelt was talking about it, he's got Two of his, uh, he's got his son on the co- staff, his son-in-law on the coaching staff. This whole that that program, not to mention what's going on on the basketball side, which is uh, even a more of a train wreck. That whole that that university, that athletic department as a whole, has got major issues, and I don't think Petrino solves any of them. To Maybe. me, to me, Petrino is the one that's in the most hot water right now. I, it also, I think it, I think it, it shows you the value of really how good Lamar Jackson was as a college quarterback. Yeah, how much he was able to mask and cover up some of the deficiencies in, on, on the in the program by as good but, as he was for those two last two years at Louisville. And, and, and as good as he was, they were never even a threat really to win the national championship because they their defense was so bad, and they really didn't have the guys around him except you know you take away uh, Devontae Parker that one year. Well, I would I would say if they'd have beat Clemson, if they'd have got that yard at Clemson two years ago, Things can be I different. think I think they would have I think they'd have found a way to get into the playoffs. To be honest yeah. with you. Yeah, I mean, so. I, besides that though, you know, he, he I agree with you. They he masked a lot of issues there, and 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 that mask has been torn off emphatically right now. And, and oh yeah, I mean it was. I mean I saw the score. I just I didn't watch any of the games Saturday, but I just kept seeing the score going up and up and up. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, I mean. Uh, that, and for, I would, for for a guy that's supposed to be an offensive mastermind, they have no offense. Yeah, so. I mean, yeah, just I mean, I, I mean, in my opinion, I think I think two schools. I think you got some trouble brewing. I think USC, I USC agree. had better had better play Notre Dame well if they were to get blown yes. out by Notre Dame. Yeah, I could definitely it. see a change being there with Clay Helton. Yeah, you know, he's not a sexy hire. He never has never been a. I mean, he's a good football coach, but he's never been a sexy hire in L.A. Looks for sexiness and high profile. So he's the Ed Orgeron of LSU. Yeah, that's, that's all. He's a recruiter, not yep. a big game coach, and and that's that. I think, and you know, ironically, Ed Orgeron, you know, was the interim there at USC. But I, I agree, he's he's just USC is flashy. That's what they that's what they've always been. I mean, yeah. go back to you know even just ten years ago. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think they have to. I think they have to play Notre Dame to. Close, very close, especially yep. on their home field. Yep. All right. So Auburn, I know that I know Auburn. The AD just came out a couple of days ago and gave Malzahn a, a vote of confidence. Which <laughs> you're not going to fire Malzahn, owing him forty two million dollars. That's that's the one great saving grace for Gus is that he signed that seven year extension last year for forty nine mil. So they're not that nobody's writing him a check for forty two million to walk out the door. So they're going to give him at least another year or two, I would imagine, to straighten things out and. He's shown the propensity to do that if he gets a quarterback, and, one, and if he gets a running style quarterback, because they've always been most successful when they have a running style quarterback that can run that zone read, that can be a, that can be a, a, a second running back kind of guy, Nick Marshall, yeah. those kind of guys that he, he's been able to have. And it sounds like their offensive line has been in shambles most of the year, so that's kind of been more of their problem than it is. Um, you know, Stidham has been a little bit of a disappointment, but. They don't seem to have a whole lot of skill players around Stidham. No, and I think, you know, the running backs, you just look at who they lost last year with uh, Carrion Johnson and, and, and uh, Bubba Petway. I mean, obviously, Carrion's in the NFL. He's with the Lions. He's, you know, <laughs> became the Lions' first uh, 100-yard rusher in, you know, five years or something like that. Right. Uh, you lose those kind of guys, but they didn't really replace them with anybody that you really know or – I know their third string guy can't. His name escapes me. From last year, is their start was their starter this year, but he he's just not that kind of running back. And I agree. Right. I, but you know, two years ago, everybody was saying the same thing about Malzahn. When is he going to go? How is he? You know, and somehow or another, 
He has a good year. He beats Alabama. He beats Georgia when they right. were ranked number one. And look, and he turns it into a $49 million contract and, and pretty much guaranteeing him a job for two more years because, like yeah, you said, yeah. nobody's paying him $42 million. It's just – you just can't do that. And last two, I think, you know, there's speculation about Urban Meyer's future. If things – if, you know, things – they lose to Michigan, it wouldn't shock me at all if he – if he and the university came to a mutual agreement that he would either step away or whatever, it also wouldn't shock me if he, if he has some interest in the NFL, maybe the Cleveland Browns, Cleveland something Browns. like that. Yeah. Um, and I know he's had some health issues or, or maybe a situation where he just steps away and, you know, he may, re- he may be one of those kind of guys that just, you know, has to retire at a younger age because he's had some health issues. Obviously he had the scandal at the beginning of the year with the coach, the assistant coach. I think things could get ugly in, in Columbus the next three to four weeks, depending on how the, how the season, if they, especially if they lose to Michigan. I agree. I think that um, I think if they lose to Michigan, I agree. I think you're right on the uh, right on the money there. The, an agreement will probably become you know they come to an agreement. Hey, we appreciate everything you've done, but given what the scandal was in this day and age, the climate that is that is what what we live in today, and what that scandal was. Right. Um, not to mention, you know, <clears throat> it, it seems like you were poised. You had this, you have a quarterback that's, you know, more likely could be a top 10 pick at the beginning of the year is what everybody was saying. And, and, and it's like, you know, they just haven't seemed to really turn it up like Clemson and Alabama have really been doing. And, and they have the offense to do it. Uh, they've got the recruits. We know that. But yep, uh, yep. I, I lose, you know, I think losing Nick Bosa in the middle of the year like they did, and then him, him, right, right. you know, taking off for the draft already, I think that's really hurt that defense. And but I, I agree, I think that they they need to have a strong showing. But I, you know, the first thing that came to my mind when Hugh Jackson was fired was Urban Meyer. The first thing that came to my mind when I saw right, when right. I saw that Hugh Jackson got fired, I think I think he would love to to give his uh, you know try his shot at the NFL and, and see if he can do it. Uh, you know. I don't, now, I don't. I don't know if Cleveland would hire him only because you know. I think he could potentially be a good coach in the NFL because of his college, you know, background. Mayfield, you know, a lot of the zone read, that kind of stuff that's all in vogue in the NFL now. But you know, him being in Ohio, I don't. I don't know how that would play if he left Ohio State and went straight to Cleveland. True. With true. him being an Ohio guy, I don't, I don't know what the. It'd be interesting to see what the Ohio people would think of him. That's if, true. If he left, all of a sudden left Ohio State and shows up in Cleveland as the new coach there, but. Well, I can't. Tell you, I can't tell you this real quick. If he came, if he went to Cleveland and won, I think they'd forgive everything. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> because they're desperate for any kind of positive. Coach last, or anything. last thing we're gonna, last guy we're going to talk about is Florida State down here, a little close to home here. You know, Taggart has had a horrific year one. They got smashed again this week at NC State. They're going to Notre Dame this week. They're going to lose there. They potentially could lose to Boston College next week. And then you got Florida at the end of the year. So, you know, no matter how this season ends, Willie Taggart's definitely going to be on the hot seat for next year. I don't, he's not going to, I don't think he's going to lose his job this year, but he will definitely be front and center on the hot seat next year. Um, he finally, he's given, he's given up the play calling duties to, to, to his OC. A lot of, a lot of heat on Willie Taggart down here in Tallahassee. Uh, after this, this season, Just, it's been a debacle in Tallahassee, both on the field and off the field. Players, you know, he's he's calling out players for quitting. Just the, his system has not been real. He's not been real uh, adaptive to the player personnel that he has. So it's gonna be a very interesting next six, eight, eight months for Willie Taggart here in Tallahassee. I agree, and I think that he has. I, I, I you, you can't fire the guy after one year. You got to give him a. You got to give him a shot to get his players in. But that leash is going to be very short, and we're going to see what next year. He's going to have his recruits, most of his recruits, and. And nowadays in college, nowadays in college football, freshmen and sophomore play. So oh, yeah. you can't say wait for the guys to be, you know, the, his recruits to really get in there and you know do their things. Uh, Tua is a sophomore. <laughs> uh, you know, all these guys are winning the Heisman are sophomores. So that you only need one or two years with these guys. And if you can't do it in two years, really in a college game anymore, you you don't you're not going to do it more than likely. So yeah, I, I agree. I think he's on the hot seat beginning of next year, and it's going to be. It's gonna be it's gonna be scorching. All right, here we go. Rapid rapid fire pick. We're gonna pick a couple of these college games. There's only about four or five games that are even worth talking about, so we're gonna we'll go through them real quick. All right, the oldest rivalry in the South. We got Auburn going to Georgia. Any any threat of an upset there? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 Georgia look. Georgia 
you know, they, they struggled against LSU, but they, they're back. I think that, I think they found, they found their identity against Kentucky and, and really said, Hey, this is what we can do. And, and, and I, I just can't see that happening. I'm going to say, I'm going to say closer than the expert. I'm going to think, I'm going to say let down by Georgia this week because of the high of beating Kentucky. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I think Georgia's gonna win, but I think, I think the game's gonna be a good game for you know going into the fourth quarter. I think it's gonna be seven to ten point game. I think Auburn's gonna defense is pretty decent. Um, I can, I can I see, can see that. Covered. That's a huge rivalry game. I can see that game being a, a fourth quarter game. I can see Auburn covering. I agree. The line's fourteen. I think. I, yep. I, can, I can see Auburn covering that. Covering that. Um, but I, I don't think that they're. I don't think I don't, that Georgia's. Losing. I think Georgia will win the game. Yeah. Any 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 doubt about any any danger of Mississippi State coming to Tuscaloosa CBS Saturday? You know, not really. But I will say this: in, in the past, Mississippi State always is a tough game because it always follows the LSU game and the physicality of that LSU game, the emotional letdown, like right, you right. said about Georgia, of winning down there with all the hype for two weeks. Sometimes you got Nick Nick Fitzgerald is playing better. He's throwing the ball more. Mississippi's defense is the number one defense in the country when it comes to touchdowns allowed, but no, I, I don't. I Alabama don't, rolls. I don't think Alabama. Mississippi State will score more than seven points. I, I don't either. I, I just don't think that. Yeah, their offense has, has been good lately, but they haven't played anybody. I think you'll. I think you'll see a, a, a forty-one to seven kind of game, and just a, right. uh, I think it'll be blowout city. Okay, yeah. we got we got a tricky one in the ACC. You got Clemson going up to Chestnut Hill to see the BC Eagles. BC, very good defense. Pretty good running game. Any any danger there? I think there's a little danger. Boston College at night. It's a it's can be a tough yep. can be a tough game. Uh, you've seen them. They they I believe they shocked Florida State a few years ago. Uh, but I believe you're gonna have Herb Street and Fowler in attendance Saturday night in Boston, yeah, maybe. But I, I just don't. I think Clemson's just too good. I do. Too. But I, 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 that's another one I can see. Boston College. That's a twenty point spread. I think that might be a little yep. too high. That's, that's uh, a big number. Uh, on the road, on the road. I will say Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence has played very well the last few weeks since, oh, the, since the decision, and he's really playing well at quarterback. And I think I think his mobility and his ability to throw the ball is going to be key here. I agree. I agree. A, a game that was ten years ago would have been a fantastic game, or twenty years ago when I was in school. Florida State going to Notre Dame. <laughs> Real quick, that's going to be blowout. And I won't say blowout city, but it's going to be a comfortable win for Notre Dame. Notre Dame is, I think they're determined. I think they're going to run the table. Um, you know, 15, 20 years ago, this was a marquee game, but, you know, yeah. it's going to be NBC Saturday night, but it's just not the, Florida State just doesn't have the, just isn't playing with any kind of confidence. I think Notre Dame is going to be, will win comfortably. Yeah, Florida State's mailed this one in. <laughs> they have mailed the season in. All right, so all right, so we're going to wrap up college football. I'm going to give a quick shout out to our sponsors, real quick here of the, of the podcast, the Powers on Sports podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Give us, send us a tweet at kick the FB. Tweet us a, comments, suggestions, what you like, what you don't like at Twitter at kick the FB. Kick like kick the football, but kick the FB. All right, some couple show sponsors: Power Stories Theater, Five Star Athletics. Patrick Hyland, the insurance quarterback. Give Patrick a call at 813-966-1052. And Sam Jenkins Design. Sam designed our, our podcast logos. Sam's a, a school a young a school buddy of mine from way back in the day. We went to Florida State together. Give Sam, Check out Sam at samjenkinsdesign.com. Samjenkinsdesign.com for all your creative needs for your businesses from your you know marketing branding anything you need creatively speaking sam's fantastic at drawing up designs logos all that kind of good stuff so give us our, give our sponsors a little love if you can and uh well, let's transition to the nfl mike we're going to go through the nfl here we're going to recap a couple games from last week we had some great action from week number nine of the nfl we had the battle of the goats potentially the packers went to foxborough in a pretty in a pretty good game New England came out on top. You had the Rams got their undefeated season, was ruined and wrecked by the Saints. Mr. Drew Brees took care of business late. You had the Chargers went into Seattle, a very tough place to play, and won a very close game at the end. Nice little goal line stand there. And then you had Monday night, the uh, kind of the debacle in Dallas, Big D. Tennessee came to Jerry World and 
Nat kind of got exposed a little bit, and he's feeling all kind of heat this week. So what are those four games kind of stuck out to you? I think the Rams and the Saints. I think uh, I think the Saints are just, um, you know, they've won, what, eight straight? And they are, um, they're on a roll. Drew Brees is, I think, uh, maybe is getting tired of hearing about all this Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers stuff and said, hey, remember, I've won a Super Bowl. I'm pretty good, too. And uh, the NFC still can still come through New Orleans. Um, and I think not only that, I think what I noticed more than anything, and I think everybody else has noticed it, the Rams defense is pitiful right now. They cannot stop anybody. Uh, their yeah, their secondary is really oh. struggling. I know Marcus Peters was getting charbroiled, and I think the, the, the absence of Talib in the it's secondary is really hurting them because it's killing them. Yep. Uh, so I, I think I heard something yesterday. That he's supposed to be back in a couple more weeks. I know their buys coming up here in a couple weeks. So they I would right expect after Thanksgiving. I think. Yep. I'd expect to see him back late November, first of December for the stretch run. They need I, one, one thing I would say is impressive about the Rams is they were they were down three touchdowns. Yeah. And they came all the way back to tie the game. So I think in a, you know I don't think they're that's the kind of team that's going to be able to be intimidated in a tough road environment. You know, they were fortunate. New Orleans was a little bit late in the game. They had a third and third and long, and then they hit they hit Mike Thomas up the seam for about a 70-yard touchdown, which kind of put the game away. But I think the I think the Rams are for real. I think New Orleans is for yeah. real. And I it wouldn't shock me one bit if those two teams are playing in the in the NFC title game for to go to the Super Bowl. I don't see why I, I don't see how they're not. I mean, the only two teams I can really see that that could challenge them right now would be Minnesota and maybe Carolina. That's the only two right, right. That are, in the NFC. That is those are the only two teams. I don't see anybody else that can uh, that can can match them point for point. Um, maybe Atlanta, maybe uh, uh, offensively that is, but Atlanta yeah. can't stop anybody. I, but yeah, I, um, I I don't see how it's not an LA New Orleans rematch for the NFC Championship game. Well, I predicted I predicted last week the first one to forty wins would win that game, and New Orleans got the 45, 45, 35 final. It was. And by, uh, and by the time they meet again, if they do, and obviously if, if they keep going this way, it could be in New Orleans again. But to leaves back. Now, granted, New Orleans, New Orleans has a rough schedule the final six seven they weeks. Do. They got Carolina twice. I think that I think the I think the Rams are still in the driver's seat for home field. To be honest with you, because um, you know New Orleans, they both have one loss, and I know that New Orleans has the tiebreaker. But New, the, the Rams division with the Niners, Arizona, and Seattle is much much easier than the the uh, NFC South with the Bucks, Carolina, and Atlanta. And they got New Carolina Orleans. twice in the last three weeks of the season, and they still have to go to New Orleans or to Tampa Bay. Yeah, correct. And they and play. Then, they go to Cincinnati this week, which that, that could be a tricky game. I agree. I agree. So, I actually I actually think that that could be an upset special right there. It's outdoors. Breeze yeah. does not – they do not play as well outdoors. Coming down off that high. Yep. Yeah. I, agree. I, would, def, I would definitely favor the Rams, though, in a, in, a, in, a, in a title game outdoors as opposed – I think New Orleans has to have the game in New Orleans for them to have a chance to win that game in the, in the playoffs. Well, and especially with if Tlaib is back. I, right. I, I think that if you if you have to lead back, you can get Marcus Peters on somebody else. Which by that time it could be Des Bryant. Um, it, I think that that changes a lot. I think if Talib plays this game, I think it's a completely different game. Yep. Yeah. One 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 is interesting addition for New Orleans today. They signed Des Bryant. That'll be interesting to see how they integrate him into the offense and whether Des can pick up the offense and and serve as a, as a number two receiver because. I think he could be a pretty good number two on, with Thomas on the other side, who's going to be drawing a lot of coverage. I think yeah. Des could be a, a good number two slot guy, kind of the guy, especially a, a red zone kind of. He's he's very good at the fades and the back shoulders and that kind of stuff. So be interesting to see how he how he meshes in in New Orleans. Well, he's going to have a guy that's going to be thrown in the football that's going to be as good as anybody that he's had, uh, if not the best. Yep. Exactly. And, you know, and especially throwing like you said those fades in the end zone, you've got. Not only that, you have Thomas on the other side. You have Kamara, you know, and right. Ingram in the backfield. And, a lot and, of he'll he'll have plenty of one on one. Yes. Don't worry. Yeah, it will not be like it is in Dallas, especially his last couple of years where they're draped all over him. You got three guys on him, and they're trying to force feed it into him. So I definitely right, right. think he, I definitely think uh, even at, at his age, I think that was a great signing for them. I think that they it's a no risk, you know, one year deal. I, I sure, think it was I'm, a great I'm, signing. And. 
All right, so let's go to New England Sunday night. Al and Chris on the call. So going into the fourth quarter, it was 17 all. First play of the fourth quarter, Mr. Aaron Jones coughs it up on a nice play. Then you, yeah, <laughs> some, with, some, with some slippery arms. And then the, like the Patriots do, the one thing that the Patriots do better than everybody else that's probably any team that's ever played over the course of time, they execute in the fourth quarter and they figure out what their guys do best. You know, they ran a trick play where they threw the ball back to, to Edelman, who threw the ball back across the field to James White. Just the the discipline Pass, the, blocking for him. Oh, the, well, and they made a great point on the on the broadcast. The discipline for the linemen not to know to, yeah. to not go not drift downfield, even by you know it's so yeah. easy for those linemen to want to drift downfield. Yep. They didn't they didn't block the guys until they were allowed to block them based on when the guy when James White caught the ball. They didn't hold. They didn't block in the back. They all executed the play, and those are just the kind of situations that separate the Patriots from everybody else. And they they capitalize on your mistakes. You turn the ball over against New England in a tight game, you are going to pay for it. And I yep. I, I, watch, I watched the mic'd up on Belichick today, and I'm telling you that just listening to this guy, I mean, he he coaches when he's supposed to coach. He lets them play when they play, when they need to play. Yep. And, and he just, I mean, it, it just, you're right. The discipline of those offensive linemen, they just stood there. And then it was like, all right, here we go. We get the train rolling. And and Jimmy basically just follows them all the way down the, the sideline. And, I mean, and, 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 and people don't realize he doesn't care who's playing. No. Gronkowski's out. Sony Michelle's out. Their best offensive lineman was out. They make Corderell Patterson a damn running back, a tailback, <laughs> and he's an effective tailback. I mean, he played great. Scores a touchdown. He's got eight or nine carries that he had. He probably ran for 65, 60 yards. 60 plus yards. I mean, the guy has been really, he, they did that. And you know what? That's, that shows you Belichick. They did that in Tennessee with him. He was a, he, he got, he got a lot of carries at Tennessee as a, as a tailback. And they, you get him to the NFL and the Raiders just completely misuse him. All they do is throw him back there for punt returns, kick returns. And they don't find a way to get that guy who has so much talent. On the field, and Belichick says, "Well, I can, I can find you. I can find a way." Just I mean, like it, it's just it, it's a it's a short term solution because he's not going to be the obviously Michelle is no. going to be the tailback, but right. but just the ability to use him for those two couple weeks, knowing you're going to give him eight or ten carries, split the carries up with him and James White because James White can't carry it twenty times either. It's just nope. a perfect way to execute for those guys, and it's just. That's what makes that team great is so many different guys can do so many different things. Going all the way back to Troy Brown playing defensive back. Yeah, I mean. I mean, you just go – you can go all the way back there, which was that 15 years ago. Yeah, I mean, they've had Edelman play DB before. Edelman's thrown ball – I mean, Edelman's thrown passes. A former quarterback in college you had – I mean, you've had Corderell Patterson. You've had the guy – I mean, just the – the. they do all that. It's just, it's just, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. It's why he's the best. Yep. Uh, all right. So Tennessee, Dallas, real quick Monday night. You had a lot of turmoil in Dallas, a lot of, you know, hoopla with Amari Cooper coming to town. Dak Prescott really taking a lot of abuse this week about the play in, in, in the Dallas coaching staff for the play calling. It's been, it's been very interesting to see, you know, is Dak, is Dak dependent on there to be a great running game for him to be okay, or can Dak do it by on him, by without the running game? It's just Ezekiel Elliott. I think he got three or four carries in the second half total. It's just turning into a full meltdown in Big D. Yeah, I don't think. I, 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 no disrespect, but I just don't think Dak Prescott is a is going to be a franchise quarterback. I don't think he has the tools of the quarterbacks that you see, the Jared Goffs, the Cam Newtons. All these other guys, I just don't think he has it. I think that rookie year was a was just uh, it it was just unusual because of the what they had with Zeke and the offensive line and everything, and it just all kind of worked together. Dak is not a guy that's going to be able to go back. You saw this last year when Zeke was out. He's not a guy that can drop back and throw it forty times. That's not what he does. And so I mean, that and that interception, that interception he threw in the end zone in the, in the, brutal. On the, like the second drive of the game was just horrific. And really, the, the whole game changed the score there at 14 to nothing. And Dallas probably cruises. But, man, it was just it was yeah. awful. He's he trying to force it into Cooper double covered. I mean, you got to you got to read, make that read and say, well, if I got two guys on this guy, 
to my right. There's got to be. He's something. not wide open. You have to throw. Yeah, I mean, if he's not wide open, there you got to throw the ball ten rows into the seats and play third down. Or I mean, maybe it's just read <laughs> something. Right. I mean, and I'm just you know the play calling's been. I'm just not. I've not been very impressed with Scott Linehan and the play calling and just they they just run every first down. They seem like they run. They don't ever play action. They don't have a tight end. They really don't have a second receiver. I just think Jerry Jones is in. in you know, Jerry Jones is to blame for a lot of this. You know, uh, yeah. Troy Aikman called him out this week and yes. said they need a major reorganization, re, you know, re, redesign of the organization. Overhaul, so, overhaul, overhaul. Well, yep. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how that, how that, how those comments, you know, go later into the year here. And Especially if, if Jason Garrett from Aikman, right? Exactly, because I yeah. mean, he's he's obviously the legend there, and you know. It wouldn't. I mean, if, if if they don't go nine and seven, I think Garrett's out. I think I don't. I think the leash has run out on Garrett. I don't think he wants to fire Garrett, but I think just another eight and eight type of year. I think it's going to be time for a change uh, in Dallas. So it'll be interesting. And Dallas has a brutal schedule too. The next four or five weeks. So, yeah, you know they could be three and you know I think they're three and five now. They could be four. Well, and they. Uh... Yeah, they got to do something with their offensive coordinator, though. Linehan's got to go. I just, for the last two, three years, it's just too vanilla. It's just, like you said, it, run run every first down, no play action. It, it's just, there's there's no, there's nothing uh, about it that surprises anybody. Everybody knows what they're doing, so. Right. And they don't, and, they, and honestly, on offense, they other than Zeke, they don't have any impact players that somebody says, you know, Cooper's pretty decent. I mean, he's, he's a good player, but he's not he's not elite. But they don't have anybody that just says, "Man, we have to." How are we going to account for him? Right. Um, the offensive line has played a little bit under, has underperformed this year. They fired the offensive line coach during the bye week, um, so you know some of those guys have just played a little bit below their their, their ability and their pay and what they're getting paid. So it'd be, it'd be an interesting next eight weeks in Dallas for sure. All right, uh, just real quick, I think that they're they're missing they're missing their that uh, what is his name. Uh, the left guard that has really hurt them this year. Yeah, no, they're missing Frederick, the center. Frederick, Frederick, Frederick's the center. He's been out with. He's had a kind of a neuro, like a yes. yeah. like a neuro neuro issue, something going on with his immune system or something. He's yeah. got some kind of rare kind of illness. Yeah, I think that that has shown. I think that has really shown a lot this year too. I really yep. do. Yep. All right, so we're we're heading to the second half of the NFL season. We're into we're into week ten, but the ninth game. Um, Give me your midseason real quick. Give me your midseason MVP. Pat Mahomes. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's done. unbelievable. I mean, this guy is just hard to argue on that one. I mean, he's had like I think he's had what 27, 28 touchdowns, something like that. Um, just Five just picks. incredible. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just I mean, he, that offense. Yeah. He's got the weapons he has. He's come out of nowhere. Uh, you know, not nowhere, but we knew who he was. But nobody expected this kind of production. I definitely would agree with with that. I think it's close second probably. probably Go ahead. He spreads the ball around so well. I mean, he yeah. does not. I mean, look at he's made Sammy Watkins relevant again. He's Tyree Hill. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, mean uh, Chris Tommy, is he starting on your team? Uh, no, he's not on my team. Uh, the earmuffs and the UK uh, <laughs> taking care of that. But, but, but seriously, I mean, Watkins is like you know he was a forgotten man. They basically gave him away. LA yep. gave him away, and and I mean he's making these guys. Kareem Hunt looks. Looks unbelievable. He looked great last year, but he looks even better this year because of Mahomes. Yeah, Kareem is doing very well for the pewter powers. Yes, he is. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I would agree. I, I think Mahomes will be one. I think two would probably be Todd Gurley. He's had a great year in L.A. Three's probably a debate between maybe a Drew Brees and maybe, you know, but I think the top two contenders are for sure going to be Mahomes and Gurley heading the second half of the year. Yeah, I don't see how you can't. Uh, you could put anybody else in there right now just because of what they've done for their teams. The only thing that gives Mahomes the uh, the edge is that quarterback being the quarterback. Sure, he's the one that sets it all up. Um, you, you can make the argument in LA that you know Goff is playing really well, and so Gurley's the pressure's taken off him because he's got three great receivers out there, and they've got and McVay get finds him you know ways to get open and get and and get the ball in space and everything else. Whereas Mahomes is just he's doing things. I mean, you go back to the Denver game when he throws it with his left hand, you know, and, and complete completes it with his left hand. I mean, things like and that. Because, and, and the other thing I would say for Mahomes and, and why he's probably the he's for sure the favorite is that the defense is so poor in Kansas City that he's yes. having to score 
you know, 28 to 35 points every week because the defense is pretty poor. Yeah, yeah. Just to just to uh, emphasize that point, their defense—they're playing the Cardinals this week. Their defense has given up more yards and more points per game than the Arizona Cardinals at two and six. That's how bad that defense is. Points right. per yards, uh, points against per game, twenty-five point one. That that is yeah. And the fact that they're eight and one, and their only loss is in Foxborough on Sunday night to Tom Brady in a game that they could have won at the end. And that, scored yeah. forty. And scored forty. And scored forty. Yeah, yeah. That that's definitely shows shows everything right there. All right, so I'm going to give you four. We're going to talk about some surging teams. I'm going to give you four teams and tell me which team you like the most that's surging. In my, you got the Falcons who've recovered from a one and four start. They're four and four. You got the Chargers out in the AFC. You got the Carolina Panthers who are surging with Cam, North Turner, McCaffrey. The defense is playing well in it. And a sleeper team for me, I still think it's going to be a really good team in the end, is the Minnesota Vikings. You got the defenses coming around. You got Zimmer. You got Cousins playing pretty good. You got your boy Tay Diggs and your boy Thielen. And uh, <laughs> Dalvin, Dalvin, if we can get Dalvin Cook to actually stay on the field for more than two games in a row, I think Minnesota is a dangerous team. So which of those four teams is the team you think can make the most da- most noise and damage? Well, I would say this. I, I, you know, I think L.A., uh, the Chargers, they're, they're – being in the Chiefs division just makes it too hard for them. The the Panthers being in the Saints division, I thought the Falcons looked great against Washington the other day, but their defense really scares me. Minnesota, with their defense, Mike Zimmer's plan uh, as you know, running that defense, and Dalvin Cook looked good when he finally came back on the field in Week Nine. You know, everybody thought, hold him out another week. You know, let him heal up, and, and the guy looked good. And if he is back and healthy. They have that running game. They get, yeah. they get digs back. Treadwell is the three. Thielen, Cousins. Cousins plays so much better when he has a running game and can play action. I would yeah. be careful with the Minnesota Vikings. Dangerous. They're, da- they're, they're definitely dangerous. a dangerous team for sure. And, you know, you talk, about a, you talk about one play in the Dallas game, kind of flipping that game. That one play against New Orleans, if Thielen does not fumble, Right Doesn't before fumble the, the ball at the end of the half, they probably beat New Orleans. They I probably agree. win that game, and that that just flipped everything for them. And they never really could get out of that hole because they don't. They didn't have. A, they weren't. They just weren't a complete team yet. But I'm telling you, if Dalvin Cook comes back, watch out. Watch out. Yeah, Minnesota. yeah Minnesota with ten sacks against your Lions this last week, and your yeah, boy Stafford ten I sacks. Left, I left that out on purpose. I left that oh, out. On purpose. I, I I couldn't over overlook that. Man. <laughs> Yeah, that was, especially when that was, I got the Minnesota, especially when I got the Minnesota defense as my fantasy defense last week. That was horrific. That was. Well, horrific. Let's your move boy, on. Mr., your boy, Mister Pencil in the ear, is huh. uh, having a little rough go the last couple weeks. Yeah, we got problems up in Motown. <laughs> <laughs> now that your man Amir Abdullah is on the streets, heading back to Homewood. No, he's uh, you know, he was signed by Minnesota today. Little Denny, really? Oh yeah, the the Vikings picked them up. Oh. Uh, Team Devastation's already laid a claim to him. I didn't see that. <laughs> yeah, Team Devastation wow. has already laid a claim to Amir Abdullah with the Vikings as a, <laughs> as a third string running back. Yeah. <laughs> Our man GP at Dallas, Texas. General PA Toilet Bowl. Yep. It's a fantasy insider for all of our fantasy guys. General PA Toilet Bowl. Woo! <laughs> speaking of speaking of woos, you and you and Mr. Cooper with some just some pillaging tonight of, of, of another owner in our league, Mr. Guy Myers. Wow. Hey, like I said, I, I offered him I offered him less. Picked, I offered him a better deal for him last week. He turned it down. He took this one. I can't help that. You guys picked that man clean tonight, man. Wow. All right. Let's do some quick game picks, and then we'll get to, we'll get to the, uh, the MLB award, uh, awards here. All right, game picks. Tomorrow night, Thursday night. A very good matchup. Carolina heading to Pittsburgh, minus three and a half. Who you got? I tell you what, I love these Thursday night games. These have been the best Thursday night games this year. Uh, I, Pittsburgh three and a half. I got to take him. I mean, they're play, they're on a roll right now. Three and one. Their last uh, four. Um, they don't. They haven't played well at home, but I just think that. Um, I just think, I think the defense. The defense is the difference here. I think the defense is playing better for Pittsburgh. Yeah, I think they're going to contain Cam and McCaffrey. I think Antonio Brown and Con- J- Jimmy Connors is doing yeah. yeoman's work at tailback, and as I don't think as, you're going to. As long as you're getting healthy. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you're going to. I mean, even if 
I think your boy Le'Veon Bell is going to be in for a rude awakening when he comes back into that locker room. I don't think he's going to be he's going to be received because he's a part of the team, but he's not going to be he he's not going to go back to being the absolute number one running back there. James Connors has earned earned every touch he's getting. He's producing. He's been consistent. Hasn't fumbled. I think Connors is going to be a very much of an impact player down the stretch. I agree, like, and I think I think that that has cost Le'Veon a lot of money. <laughs> well, it's interesting. I like not Pittsburgh. All right, so stunt. Yep, you like Pittsburgh as well. Yeah, yeah, Pittsburgh definitely. Okay. All right, Jacksonville, Indy. I think this is kind of a sneaky good game. This is gonna be an important game for the one for the AFC South and two for probably that number six wild card. A lot of people are talking up Indy, thinking they can make a run in the second half. Got an easy schedule. Jacksonville's been in disarray with the quarterback situation. The defense has been awful. Coming off a bye from London when they got beat by the Eagles. Jacksonville heading to Indy. Who you got? Quickly. I, I got to take the Jaguars. I just don't trust I'm the Colts you. yet. I just don't trust them. I think I think Jacksonville with two weeks to get ready. I think this is going to be a – I don't think they're going to play – I don't think it's gonna, they're not going to blow Indy out, but I think Jacksonville with that defense is going to be enough. I'm, I'm going to take Jacksonville in three. All right, New Orleans heading to Cincinnati. Again, tricky game. Cincinnati coming off the bye. Emotional game for New Orleans this last week. This is, I think it's the tricky spot for New Orleans if you're not careful. I agree. I, I, I got Cincy straight up, much less with the five and a half. I, I have them straight up. I, I really I think that this is an upset pick. Uh, Cincinnati off the bye, New Orleans with the let, uh, a letdown outside. It could be raining or even snowing Cold. possibly. Cold, yeah. I, I, I got the Bengals in this one. I think I think the one the one issue I think Cincinnati might have is no AJ Green. Sounds like he's True. got a foot issue, going to be out for two or three weeks. So I think I think New Orleans steals one late, but I could see this game going right down to the last possession, late field goal by our buddy Will Lutz. I think New Orleans will find a way to win. I think Kamara will be a, a nightmare problem for for Cincinnati on defense, um, but I could definitely see Cincinnati being right there at the end with a chance to win the game. Yeah. All right, Sunday night. Big D heading to Philadelphia, the Eagles and the Cowboys. Well, this is it for this is it for Dallas. I mean, they lose this game. It's pretty much, you know, night, night, wrap it up. Um, Not that it really isn't already, but the Eagles, they get Golden Tate from the from the Lions. They they look good against Jacksonville towards the end of that game. They have the bye week to get kind of you know rested up. I, I think Philly's. I think Philly takes this one, covers the spread. I, I, yeah, I do yeah. too. I think Philly wins the game. I think again. I think you're going to see major problems in Dallas. I think. I think Philly, again. I think Philly's a team to be reckoned with as we move forward in the NFC East. I think Washington's going to fade. The Giants are out of it. I think Dallas. I think Philadelphia is going to kind of surge here these next four or five weeks to kind of take control of the NFC East. And I'm with you. I think. I think Philly gets gets the W on on uh, Sunday night. So. All right, last thing we're going to talk about quickly is the uh, Major League Awards are coming out this week and got the Cy Young and the MVP. So, Mike, give, give us a quick rundown of who's who's up for those awards. Well, in the uh, for the Cy Young, in the American League, you got uh, uh, you got Blake Snell, uh, Corey Kluber, and Justin Verlander. Snell was terrific this year for the Rays. You know that down there in yep. Tampa. The guy was – I had him on my fantasy team, and I enjoyed his success all the way to a title. That guy was legit. I also had Justin Verlander, too, though. And Verlander, you look at the numbers, 290 strikeouts and 214 inning, only 37 walks. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say Snell only because – and it's not a homer pick. Think about Snell. He had to pitch in the American League East, Yankees, Red Sox, Blue Jays, you know, in the he he pitched in a market where he had very little one fan support and two just support in general when it came to you know the, the Rays were always were the were the were the, are the little step brothers to the Yankees and the Red Sox and all the American League. I think Snell's the guy. I think in that ballpark in that division, the statistics he put. I mean, he won twenty games. You know, the ERA was somewhere right around two. I think he's the guy. I mean, Verlander had a good year. I don't. To me, Verlander wasn't elite this year, nor was was Kluber. And I think if it, if you're going to award this on a year to year basis, I think Snell had the best year. I agree. I I think that he wins it. The only thing that I could see that Verlander wins it is just that the writers just say, "Hey, this guy for his career." But if you like, you said year to year, Snell's the guy. Uh, National League. All right, na- National League. Degrom, Aaron Nola, Scherzer. That's Degrom's to win. I don't care about the ten wins. Or whatever, you know, nine and ten, ten and nine, whatever it was. 
wasn't his fault. The that, guy had that's a one the question. Point. That's the question. Do, do you... Go ahead. One point what was that? One point six nine ERA or something like that. One point seven zero ERA in two hundred and seventeen innings and two hundred and sixty nine strikeouts. A point nine one right. whip. I mean, the guy was just remarkable. Remarkable. The, the, the question you got to answer to yourself, you know, as a, as a voter, is do you, do you reward the statistics of the ERA and the in the whip and all that, or do you say the guy won nine games? You know, had a either was either five hundred or had a losing record. That's the part that you have to the way. Yeah, yeah. Nolan, who was the third candidate? Nolan Scherzer, and that's what I. My sure. whole point. My whole point is, if you if you look at it from a from a team standpoint, none of those three teams made the playoffs. So, right. so if you're if it if it's not about you know helping your Winning. team uh, wins, then what right. else is it? You know, I mean, I I just don't see how you don't don't give it. Yeah, drop. it'll be yeah. I, I think he'll get it too. I think it'll be a it'll be a tough it'll be a tough thing to sell. But I think he gives. I mean, I think he had a great year and. He can only control. He can't hit the ball. He can't control the offense. All or the he can bullpen. do is kind of, yeah, or the bullpen. I, and I know he had many games where he was when he left the game, he was up one run or two runs, and the the bullpen blew the lead. So I'm with you. I, I think you give it to Degrom and, and move on. All right, MVP, National League MVP. Yeah, Mookie Betts, Jose Ramirez, Mike Trout. I think that all three of them were unbelievable. Trout is just, uh, I mean, he is a once in a generation player, but Mookie Betts this Mookie year. Mookie Betts, man, no, no doubt. Mookie no. Betts is. Trout's right there is one of the top three or four, two or three players in all of the league. But this year, I think Mookie Betts gets it. I think it's a layup. I don't. I don't think Ramirez will. I mean, Ramirez will be probably third. Yeah. But uh, I think I think it's Mookie Betts' award to lose. Absolutely. National League. Arenado, Javier Baez, Christian Yelich. I think Yelich did enough in September. Yeah. Really pushing Milwaukee into the into the division uh, championship. I think Yelich. It's it's his. I think Baez had a really good hold on it for. For most of the year, but I think Yelich took it away from him when they when he made that run down the or made that run and uh, down the stretch. Yeah, Yelich almost won the triple crown, right? He, yes. he was in the top two or three in all three categories. Yeah, he was second in home runs. He was uh, second in RBIs and uh, let and uh, was the batting champion. So, and he was only like yeah, two home I runs think, yeah. away. Yeah, yeah, I think it's Yelich's award to win for sure. So, all right, well we've we've. Taking up enough time tonight, so what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to wrap it up. Appreciate uh, Mike for stepping in. We'll, we'll definitely have Mike on again for sure. Now that we've got the technical uh, <laughs> issues figured out, much easier to do. So, look forward to having Mike on as a regular contributor to the podcast. And again, appreciate everybody's uh, input and tell a friend. And Powers on Sports podcast. So again, I'm your host Jason Powers. Hope you have a great weekend, and we'll see you next time. Bye bye. <laughs>